1: Good afternoon and welcome. Hope you're having a great day. It's a start of a new month, Wednesday, March 1st, the year 2023. Spring is about to spring to sprung, or whatever you want to call it. Daylight savings times right around the corner. March Madness is here. Uh, the time is right. We got a fun day planned for you and yours for the next two hours. So let's get busy as we begin, as always. Well, the main, My main man, uh, James Mesh, in the master control suite, sitting in that producer's chair with that big, all those buttons and screens in front of him, doing a magnificent job, as he always does. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041 thegame.com and um our hotline the game hotline 337-706-0111 706 and if you're in the acadiana area you can turn on your television set because we're simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS fiber
0: did you miss the headlines of the day not to worry the Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: As we are broadcasting from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette, Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multi-family construction. It was a postseason like atmosphere. The stadium filled to the rafters. A pictures duel until... The top of the ninth. With runners at first and second and the score tied. Zip, zip. Gavin Dugas stepped up. Bam. In the clutch, a three-run homer deep, deep into the heart and soul of the Texas Longhorns. Christian Little would come in, make quick work of Texas in the bottom of the ninth, and LSU walked away with a three-zip victory. Until that ninth inning, the story of the game had been pitching. Thatcher heard. Got the nod for LSU, his second start as a Tiger. Um, Issued two walks in the first, then got into a rhythm and got better as the game went on. He was pulled after four and two-thirds innings. He'd reached 70 pitches, surrendered only three hits, tallied four strikeouts. Then you bring in the lefty, Nate Atkenhausen. He enters with two outs in the fourth was nearly perfect in three and a third. Retired 10 of 12 batters he faced, 38 of his pitches that he threw, 32 of them were strikes. The only base runners Ackenhausen allowed came in the eighth on a bunt single and an intentional walk. So defense, defense, and more defense was the key. So um, LSU gets the win. And now they come back home for four games in four days. We'll talk about the evolution of this LSU pitching staff and the technology that they use to better understand how a pitch is supposed to feel when it leaves your fingers and how these pictures have increased their velocity and everything involved with it with Cokie Riley who covers the Tigers for USA Today Network and the Daily Advertiser? Um, Adam Spencer will join us today as well. Basketball. Regular season home finale tonight when Missouri comes to town. Mizzou is nine and seven in the SEC, just one game back from Tennessee for fourth place in the conference. Um, Mizzou also beat Tennessee head to head. So to say Missouri has plenty to play for this weekend. Well, that's, that's an understatement, uh, by the extreme, um, Missouri already beat LSU back on February 1st, 87 to 77 as LSU turned it over 12 times. Mizzou knocked down nearly 50% of its threes. Um, Kobe Brown was the star hitting 10 of 11 shots from the field, 26 points for the night. So um, LSU with an 8 p.m. tip and you can listen to the ball game right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles. Uh, the LSU women's basketball team is about to uh, depart for Greenville, South Carolina. They will play on Friday in the first game of the evening session um, and in In all likelihood, and if everything goes according to form, they'll play Georgia, which took LSU to overtime earlier this season. And as we said yesterday, um, Flage Johnson, Alexis Morris, Angel Reese, and Samaya Smith—all four earned spots on this year's All SEC teams. Reese made first-team All SEC and SEC All Defensive Team. Morris also made first-team All SEC. Smith and Johnson made SEC All-Freshman. Johnson was crowned the SEC Freshman of the Year, making her just the fourth LSU player ever to earn that title and the first since Lysandra Barrett back in 2009. If you are a tennis fan in Lafayette and in Baton Rouge, well, it's a sad day because former UL tennis coach and LSU tennis coach Jerry Simmons passed away at the age of 76 the winningest tennis coach in lsu history when he retired in 1999 a member of the louisiana sports hall of fame good guy really good he took ul tennis from nothing and made them the dominant team in the conference and then he parlayed that into a higher paying gig at lsu and the rest is history Pelicans back in action tonight as they'll take on the Portland Trailblazers. Trailblazers lost last night, so they are one half game behind the Pelicans. Pelicans are in the 10th spot at 30 and 32. Portland is at 29 and 32. Meanwhile, it's the long anticipated debut of Kevin Durant uh, with the Phoenix Suns tonight as they're on the road to take on Charlotte. And more bad news. For um, the Los Angeles Lakers. As first, we know LeBron James is out, right? Now, Anthony Davis will not play against Oklahoma City tonight because of the right foot stress injury that already caused him to miss a chunk of the season. So, LeBron James is out with a right foot injury, a right ankle sprain for D'Angelo Russell, and now Anthony Davis as uh, the Lakers look to bounce back against the Oklahoma City Thunder after their loss to the Memphis Grizzlies last night. Great opportunity for the Pels to try and make some distance, but uh, they've got to go play at Portland, and that's going to be very, very difficult to say the least. Um, Wilson Alexander will join us in our number two at the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, We told you yesterday about the hiring of um, a new special teams coordinator, uh, John Jancic. Uh, Before joining LSU staff in 2022, Jancic served as a defensive quality control assistant at Georgia, where he was part of that 2021 national title team. Bob Diaco. Uh, who was a candidate for the special teams coordinator, apparently will join LSU as an analyst. Uh, Diaco served as a special teams coordinator on several occasions throughout his 24-year coaching career, and like Jancic, once worked under Brian Kelly as a defensive coordinator. So there you go with that. There's some news to pass along on one Tiger, Who's expected to play a big role in special teams? And that's Alabama transfer Aaron Anderson, the wide receiver who redshirted his freshman year with the Crimson Tide because of a knee injury. He will reportedly miss spring practice after having a minor procedure on that same knee. The word is that he had the procedure now, so that he'll be at full strength for fall camp and the upcoming season. Um, so there you go. Uh, football. Dead period in recruiting ended last night, so LSU will soon begin begin bringing in prospects for visits. There'll be a ton of them on campus this weekend for a huge recruiting event. Um, they'll bring a lot of kids into watch spring practices, which begin in nine days on March the 9th. So the more, the merrier on that front. Um, Bad news out of... Athens, Georgia, Jalen Carter, one of the top prospects in next next month's NFL draft from the University of Georgia, has been charged with reckless driving and racing in connection with a crash that killed a teammate and a recruiting staff member. This, uh, This occurred back on January 15th. Carter was racing his Jeep Trackhawk against a Ford Expedition driven by this recruiting staffer, 24-year-old Chandler Lacroix, uh which led to the January 15th wreck. So um the announcement came hours after the Atlantic Journal Constitution reported that Carter was present at the scene of the crash and later provided shifting accounts of the wreck to the police. Carter is in Indianapolis at the NFL scouting combine. He'd been slated to speak with two reporters. Uh, as part of a previously scheduled media availability but obviously uh, that got canceled reckless driving and racing are both misdemeanors in Georgia um, subject to one year in prison but most of the time it's done uh, with um, uh, without that and getting out and doing things inside you know in the public uh, to help others out so we will see what happens along those lines um pistol peach scoring record is in jeopardy because last night in college hoops the i'm trying to remember um oh gosh where is it where is it here we go here we go um the young man from detroit mercy davis uh scored about 38 points so he's now 25 points behind pete with one more game to play in their conference tournament against youngstown who is the heavy favorite but uh there's a shot 25 points that um he will become the all-time leading points scorer in ncaa college basketball of course he's done it in over 60 more games I can go on and on and on. He's done it with, um, you know, with the three point line with the shot clock and all these things. Um, so anyway, good, good for him. And here it is. Here's the, here's the exact number. Um, let's see. He scored 38 points. He needs 26 more, um, to beat surpass pistol Pete. Um, They'll take on Youngstown State Thursday in quarterfinal action of their conference tournament. So he scored 32 against Youngstown in a home game. So it's all in all likelihood uh, he will get the job done and good for him. All right, uh busy day. Let's go over it again. Koki Riley on LSU Baseball Pictures. Adam Spencer, SEC Hoops. That's our number one. Hour number two. Wilson Alexander, more on LSU football. Michael Huguenin, hump day with Hugen. Much more around college hoops and college football. It's all coming your way. So uh, sit back, relax. We'll take our first time out and get this big show underway.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Uh, You can win a VIP package for Michael's Men's Club Aerial Angels event on March 8th by sending a simple text message. Text message ANGELS to 337-283-8100. ANGELS to 337-283-8100. You'll do that. You're eligible to score tickets to see Michael's Men's Club Aerial Angels courtesy of the Gaines Text Club. Also, later today on Crunch Time, the fellows will have a call in to win for two winners for a pair of tickets for the show.
0: Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: We're back 19 minutes after the hour. Let's get busy. LSU baseball gets a three-zip win thanks to a three-run Gavin Dugas home run in the ninth. Great pitching duel throughout. And pitching seems to be the way of the word as LSU is using analytics and technology to get the most out of their pictures. Um, He wrote a great, really in-depth article about it for the Lafayette daily advertiser. We bring in Cokie Riley to explain that and much, much more good afternoon, sir. How are you
2: doing? Great. How's it going? Jordy?
1: It's going good. Uh, The analytics seem to be working. This pitching staff seems to be pretty darn good. Um, I don't know where to begin on this because I'm so uh, so not in tune with analytics and, and these devices that that LSU uses. But kind of kind of summarize it and how this all came about.
2: Yeah, so um, I guess just to start, like in, in college, I started a similar story with um, uh, with another uh, fellow student about. Uh, the way Arizona high schools and Arizona um, colleges are, are using baseball technology um, to sort of innovate. And, and I had some like very, very general ideas as to what it was just because just as a baseball fan, as a diehard baseball fan, but after doing that story, it just kind of interested me more into like how it works and um, how coaches utilize it. And since I got, come here to you know cover LSU, I, I just figured what's, what what does LSU do to do to do this you know mm-hmm. do with this stuff like um and then when they hired Wes Johnson it was sort of the perfect um situation there because and I did and part of that uh story those or those uh, uh group of stories that I did sort of about this um uh, one of them is on Wes Johnson purely on him and like how it, what and what his effect has been um and how he uses this technology and whatnot so um, but yeah, I, I've always just been sort of interested in it. I've always been a huge baseball guy, and I just figured that um, it, it would be really interesting to sort of dive into like what 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 stuff do they use, how do they use it, and is it benefiting the pitchers LSU who has this season?
1: I, I, from what my understanding is, it's not like guys are getting in the weight room and getting stronger and stronger, but they're utilizing their body and the momentum of mm. their body from from the rubber to the plate to increase uh, their fastball and to also h- how that ball leaves your finger and and remarkably, what it's supposed to feel like when it leaves your finger. That's fascinating to me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to, I guess, organize it for any listeners right now, um, what Jordy first mentioned is the new force mound, which um, sort of tr- tracks, a pitcher's weight as they're going through their motion. So when you're standing on the mound, there's a certain amount of weight that you're inserting into the mound, right? And, right. you know, most mounds are just dirt mounds. They don't really track that stuff, obviously. But right. in LSU's Pitching Lab, um, uh, which, uh, which which is, I, I believe, Aaron Nola helped put together, um, they it, there's a sort of a... it's So the mound can... Is, is almost like a like a weight. It can track how much weight you're like you're forcing scale. Out of the ground. So yeah, like a mm-hmm. scale. Yeah. So through through that, um, basically through tracking that weight. Again, I, I, I explain. I I promise I explain this much better as a, as a writer. So yes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but through that weight and say that when that pitcher starts their motion, the the mount can then track through a graph how much weight that pitcher is exerting through the ground. Right. And, then, okay. and, and you can, and a pitcher can improve their velocity just through being much more efficient through their weight transfer um, through the mound. And uh, Jamie Tutko, he's uh, LSU's head um, of pretty much all analytics and all technology when it comes to, when it comes to LSU, uh, he explains it really, really well in the story, just about why that matters. And, and how you can basically track um, the efficiency of of a guy's uh, motion and uh, and sort of improving all all aspects of his mechanics through
3: yeah.
2: uh, through this technology. Because for years it was just stare at a guy and see, oh, you know, maybe you should put more weight on this leg, and maybe you should um, finish finish better on your follow through, right? And you, yeah. it was just a purely eye test. But through this technology, now we can say, oh, you're not putting enough. Uh, there's your, you know, 50 pounds. You need to put an extra 50 pounds of pressure on your back foot, and that will help Crazy. generate more, more velocity on your right? So, yeah. and this was, and I think one pitcher where this has really helped out with is for the new force mound in particular is Paul Skeens. I mean, he's a guy who, um, I mean, Cutco admitted it. He would, just wasn't terribly athletic on the mound. And mm-hmm. he was a guy who's throwing 95, 96 at Air Force. Didn't really have this technology. But since he's come to LSU, now he's consistently in the upper 90s, 97 to 99, and has really transformed himself into a potential top 10 pick in this upcoming year's draft. And mm-hmm. a lot of that just has to do with the improvements he's made, um, not just athletically in the mound, but also just through just having more efficient mechanics um, and not, not, not really the obvious stuff, just the tiny things like the weight weight, um, his, you know, transferring his weight better and all that sort of small stuff. So it's great. Yeah.
1: Coach Johnson, um, the pitching coach has got to be a master at, at being able to put all of this into layman's terms, these biomechanics and utilization mm-hmm. of your body, uh, and to be able to fully utilize your, your things. And it's like uh Thatcher Heard in, in, in the story who got the start last night and had a much better second go-around than his opener against Southern, and that was one of the big reasons why he came to LSU from UCLA because of this pitching lab that LSU has.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And with Wes, he's just he's just fantastic at um, utilizing the numbers and really just sort of interpreting it because not everyone's going to know this stuff as well as the next person. Not everyone's going to want to dive right. into it as much as the next person, Right. So right. I think a guy like Riley Cooper, I don't think I've had this in the story, but a guy like Riley Cooper said that, you know, he he knows that they use the numbers and that West uses the numbers, but he's not quite as interested in getting too bogged down to it. When And then on the other hand, there's a guy like Thatcher who literally comes to LSU because they emphasize this stuff as much as they do. So, um, and just to be able to make adjustments and, and make uh, real, you know, um, uh, mechanical improvements, uh, without bogging anyone down in this stuff, is that that's a real key to a yeah. lot of what Wes does. And um, keep it simple. And I just, just as deep, yeah, just as deep understanding of that stuff, and being able to compare it to major league pitchers, since he was a major league pitching coach, I think that's really helpful as well. And um, um, yeah, I mean, he's just done he's just done wonders for LSU's it's... pitching staff. Uh, not just a, the numbers too. I mean he's hands and, out books to his to his players and all that sort of stuff. So And I would imagine
1: I would imagine, Koki, that this technology will also I hope help eliminate uh, pitching arm injuries in the future. Maybe it can better utilize by utilizing their body better, there's not so much much on the arm and the shoulder and the elbow. And this will help eliminate some of those. Tommy John surgeries that pop up so much.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think you hope as it I think the hope is once this if this if this technology keeps on evolving, it can help with that stuff moving moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always going to be tough because I mean we even see in the major league baseball still and when I was talking to Tutko, he said Major League Baseball's technology is roughly three years ahead of what they have in college baseball. So mm-hmm. in three years LSU will probably have the tech that major league teams are using right now, but that's a side point. Um, but to just answer your question, though, like, you, we still see tons of injuries, tons of Tommy John injuries in the minor leagues and the major leagues. Um, so it's still an inexact science as to how to keep these guys healthy, um, especially when, we're, when we've gotten to a point with baseball, with pitching, where we've just created such a, a perfect exact science as to how to really maximize a guy's potential. How to really increase his velocity while without having to him like you know drastically changing his weight or anything like that. How to you know create as much spin on the ball. You know yeah. understand, understanding sequencing and what pitch works off, what pitch best for each for each certain guy, knowing the exact numbers and science behind it. And it's it's why I've been saying Crazy. really the last couple of years that you know pitching is just so far ahead of the game, especially in the major leagues when. Yeah. Their the hitters are using wood bats, right? Yeah, um, yeah. but I mean, it's interesting it's, stuff, really, it's all man. really, really fascinating stuff for me,
1: yeah, it, fascinating. and and look, I know we we can't slight the hitters because I'm sure they have a hitting lab as well with with uh, more technology to help them understand, um you know the best way to become the best hitter you can. So maybe that's another story for you down the road, but man, way out of my pay league, I, you know, I don't understand all this stuff, but look the way that Nate uh, Atkenhausen pitched last night and heard and little and Ty Floyd uh, so far, so good. It's pretty good pitching staff to date. That was a huge game last night.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And to me, the out probably their toughest opponent um, in the non-conference schedule, at least before the NCAA yeah. tournament. That's that's a really promising sign, especially given how much the staff struggled last season. Right. Um, and, yeah, I mean, again, the, the, it's it, uh, this technology has been extremely helpful. Wes Johnson's been extremely helpful. But they also have talent. This team just has a lot that's more right. talent than they had last year, right? A guy that's like right. Christian Little right. would not be coming out of the bullpen. In closing, you know he probably would have been the, the number one starter on last year's team if you put if you plucked him uh, if point. he was on this team last year, right? So yeah, um, they're they're just more talented, and even the guys returning from last season. Uh, look at a guy like, I mean, Grant Taylor. If he would have been healthy, he almost certainly would have been in the rotation and looked like a stud. And Type Lloyd looked much better than he did last season, even though he's only come out of the bullpen as well. So. Um, yeah, this is just – and Paul Skeens talent, might be the best pitcher yeah. in college baseball. They just got a ton of talent.
1: Talent and technology equals wins. Cokie Riley. Yep. Thank you, my friend. Nice article. Appreciate your thank time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser USA Today Network. We'll come back. LSU basketball on the hardwood not, not, on the hardwood tonight against Missouri. We'll talk about the state of hoops in the SEC with Adam Spencer next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Uh, we're brought to each and every day by the great folks at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks Cleaning America's Air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. That helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. There in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Ladder, you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce.
0: Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
1: We're back 36 minutes after the hour. LSU, Missouri, the final regular season home game for LSU as the SEC is winding down with the last games this Saturday and then the conference tournament. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south, kind enough to join us One Tiger against another. Your alma mater against mine. Boy, I like your alma mater a lot better than mine. How are you, buddy?
4: I'm doing all right. How are you, Jordy?
1: I'm terrific. Um, Let's talk about the SEC a little bit. Um, What's your viewpoint on what's happening at Alabama?
4: Um, I think that uh, it's just being mishandled by the – the people in charge here. I mean, if the, if the police don't want to charge Brandon Miller with anything, that's fine. That, you know, that's what our entire country is based on, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Um, But I mean, to just have like Nate Oates has just looked terrible during this. I mean, he just, he's just been awful. Like saying wrong place, wrong time when, you know, somebody got murdered uh, and right. then you know, just letting this this pat down celebration go. I mean, yeah, you would hope that your players are smart enough to not do something like that in light of the the tragic situation. But uh, if you're the one that's making millions of dollars and you're being paid to lead this team, I mean, you just you have to know what's going on there, and you just have to know how that looks. Yeah. And yeah. Nate Oates has just been terrible throughout this situation. I mean, still still yeah. a great coach on the floor, but I think that this last couple of weeks has just really exposed how would, how weak he is at handling stuff off of the court.
1: Would, would all this go away if the Alabama administration said, hey, look, look, you and Miller, Oates and Miller, y'all just sit out a game and, and, and stay away and we'll play the last game of the regular season, then we'll bring you back for the tournament and go off it. Would that would that appease? I mean, I know you're innocent until proven guilty, and all this kind of stuff. But would that help? Or does Alabama just want to ride this us against the world, uh, like the like like UNLV did against back in the day when they were uh, so against the uh, the NCAA and all that stuff? Does Alabama ride that shot of unity into March Madness? What what do you do?
4: If they try to make a, a murder a rallying cry, then uh, you know they're beyond help at that point. But you know, I don't. Yep. I don't think that that's necessarily what they're doing. And to, I mean, but like with with the suspension thing, yeah, I do think that it would help. You know, they they are in a situation where, like, you know, it doesn't just because he hasn't been charged with a crime doesn't mean that you can't suspend him. Like,
3: right. players
4: are. Players right. aren't arrested for missing classes. Players aren't yep. arrested for uh, for having bad grades, and they're suspended for that all the time. So if, if there's a character issue, you know, you can suspend a player. Uh, if yep. he's involved in a situation that he shouldn't have been, you can suspend him without having criminal charges filed. So, you know, I am surprised that Alabama didn't go that route Um you know, even suspending him for a game or two last week. I, I just, yeah. you know, now well, but now yeah. they've sort of dug in their heels, and now it is kind of an us against the world type situation. And uh, I just think that that's such a bad way to to play it. It just seems like a win at it all costs. Um, that's exactly. You know, that's exactly. Right. If
1: and this is no offense on your basketball skills, but if it had been Adam Spencer in this case, and he was the tenth man on a twelve-man team he'd have been suspended and never played again this year and they'd have gone on with it. But the fact that it's your best player and it's a, it's, it's a once in kind of a lifetime scenario for this Alabama basketball team where they have a chance to win a national championship. It gives the appearance that winning takes precedence over everything and anything else.
4: Exactly. And, uh, you know, this, this is a young man, Brandon Miller here that, uh, you know, he's because he's good at basketball, he's probably been told all his life that he can do no wrong and uh, you know this yep. would have been a good learning moment for him moving forward too about you know consequences for being as his coach put so callously in the wrong place at the wrong time but oh, now you know gosh. there's there's nothing Ugh. there's nothing that he uh you know if he gets away scot- free from this, he's just gonna continue to do his pat down yep. celebrations and his you know Celebrate, you know. It, it's just he's not going to learn ridiculous. anything from this, and uh, that, that's that's a real misstep from the adults in the room. Yeah. All
1: right. Let's talk about some some games on the court. Um, Vanderbilt at Kentucky tonight. Kentucky's really improved. They're eleven and five. They were going to trying to run Cal out of town, and he just said, you know, just "Hold on." He, maybe he made some mistakes early on. Looks like he's got his rotation right. Shebue's playing like he used to play. Um, I think Kentucky's back. What do you think about the Wildcats and their chances from here throughout March?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that they're doing uh, really well right now. Now that they have the the right point guard on the floor, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that you know, even though Kason Wallace still has his uh, ups and downs scoring wise, what he brings is an intensity on the defensive end, and what he brings is uh, you know some great passing and. The ability to get into the lane and be a triple threat, not just a pass or foul, but also to finish at the rim, um, which is something you know. Severe Wheeler could either dish it or get fouled, but uh, you know he wasn't a great finisher late in games when the whistles start coming a little less frequently and uh, refs start letting people play a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that uh, I think I do think that there's a role for Wheeler on this team. If it went and when he's able to return, I think he just had another. Minor surgery today or something, um, but I do think that there's a, a, a good role for Wheeler on this team as the backup point guard. But you know, you, you got to have the ball on Wallace's hands, and I think that the results are speaking for themselves. Is uh, Kentucky has now you know earned uh, likely a top four seed in the SEC tournament. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a uh, Vanderbilt can't be overlooked tonight because they're playing really good basketball. But yeah, I, I expect Kentucky to take care of business.
1: I like Vanderbilt. I, I, they, I like their team. Uh, Auburn's at Alabama. Boy, it would be a huge win for Auburn, who I think is teetering tournament-wise, don't you?
4: Yeah, I mean, they finish up with uh, with Alabama and Tennessee, and, uh, you know, you lose both of those games. Now all of a sudden you're on the wrong side of the bubble. Um, so, yeah. you know, they uh, – and so and if they lose both those games, they need to either – they probably need to win two in the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. Um at least um maybe even get to the final. I don't know. But uh yeah, I think that uh you know they'll probably lose tonight, but now all of a sudden that uh, Saturday matchup against Tennessee doesn't look as daunting without Zekai Ziegler, um who just tore his ACL. So yeah. I-, I think that's that a- uh you know that's a really tough blow for Tennessee, but Ooh, uh that's you know terrible.
3: That's, yeah.
4: That's something for uh for Auburn to potentially be able to take advantage of score a win over a top 25 opponent and get to the 20 win mark. And, uh, you know, then have that for their resume.
1: Tough, tough blow for the volunteers. Your Missouri Tigers are at LSU. I really like Missouri. They're nine and seven overall 21 and eight. I've got them secure in the NCAA tournament. Do you?
4: Yeah. I mean, I I'd have them even as like a seven seed or six. If they were, if they were wearing a Jersey that said Kentucky on the front, they'd be in the mix for a five or a six seed. No um, doubt, that's that's just the fact of the matter. But I think that they're going to be they're they're right now. Most most bracketologists have them as an eight or a nine seed, um, and you know that's that's they they do look like sometimes they look like a non tournament team. Sometimes they look like a team that if they gets hot can go to the elite eight. So yeah. you know this is uh, this is a very up and down the zoo team, depending on how the three ball is going. Uh, you know, they started 0-6 or something like that, and like one for 11 at Georgia or something, and then, you know, lit it up and blew the Bulldogs out by 20 points right. in the second half. So, you know, I think that uh, it depends. You know, I could see them struggling at LSU tonight because they do sometimes struggle early on the road. Um, it's just going to be, can they stay in their rhythm and get the three ball going? But, uh, you know, they have a great chance here. They have a great chance to improve their seeding because while Auburn has Alabama and Tennessee to finish the regular season, Mizzou has LSU and Ole Miss. So, oh yeah, they should yeah. go two and O here. They should. they should. Will they right. is a different story because, yeah, as you you know, Mizzou fans are used to uh, being kicked when uh, things are going right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody nobody in Mizzou country is overly confident that they'll go two and O, but uh, they should go two and O and really move up to that six or seven line hopefully
1: so i got alabama texas a&m kentucky tennessee missouri i've got five locks in the tournament i think auburn has some work to do mississippi state do you have them in the tournament they're 20 and 10 but only eight and nine in the league
4: yeah i think if they're another team that if they can get that conference record to 500 that's huge for the for the selection committee you know they're they're right in that situation um you know I, I think that uh, arkansas now needs a win to uh to finish there and i think that that's another team i would have arkansas in my field right now but uh you know the, they they probably need one or two more wins to really solidify that so uh you know mississippi state and uh mississippi state Auburn and uh and arkansas are definitely teams that are right there on that bubble um and can really either hurt themselves or help themselves for the rest of that, this week and into that first round of the SEC tournament.
1: That's what, as I've said this for so many years, if these teams can just somehow survive the conference and get into the tournament, you get away from teams that you play against all the time that beat you up and back and forth. They get into that tournament against other teams. I don't want to be, I don't want to play Arkansas in the, in the NCAA tournament. I don't want to play Missouri. There's too much athleticism, too much talent, um, but the teams in the league are used to that. You know what I mean?
4: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, if teams haven't played in the zoo, like they're going to be a little bit surprised at the you know Mike D'Antoni style seven seconds or less offense that uh, that Dennis Gates is running there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do think I agree with you, and you know there are you know it works both ways because. Mizzou might run into, you know, let's say I don't think Syracuse is going to make the tournament, but let's say a team like Syracuse, you know, that 2-3 zone. Right. You know, that yeah. always catches that always catches teams off guard in uh, in yeah. March. Um so if they run into someone weird like that, you know, that that could cause an issue, but uh, you know, I, I do think that Mizzou's three-point shooting is going to be a wake-up call for a lot of teams that aren't SEC teams <laughs> moving into the yeah. into the tournament.
1: I'm with you, Adam Spencer. Saturday down south. Um, what are you hearing about the Ole Miss gig? I, I mean, I'm really good friends with Kermit Davis Jr. I hate to see it happening, but there were three and fourteen, eleven and nineteen overall. It was inevitable. What are you hearing? What do you think about that gig?
4: You know, I think that that's a really tough. I think that that's a really tough gig. Uh, as as uh, you know, even in football, when uh, Lane Kiffin is saying man, I wish I had some more money and he can't get them to necessarily yeah. open up their pocketbooks as much as he would like, you know, what chance does the basketball coach have? You know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a tough job. Uh, you know, it, we'll see, we'll see right now, you know, do they hire another mid-major coach um, or do they try to swing big? I I would bet more on the mid-major route. I don't see him offering a huge salary to, uh, you know, a, some of these names that are popping up like, you know, Chris Beard or, you know, whoever, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't see them being competitive salary wise there. So, you know, I think we got to keep our eyes on the mid major ranks and maybe see, you know, who makes a little run in March madness and, uh, okay. you know, gets that, uh, gets that boost like the, uh, like the St. Peter's guy did to get the, the, uh, Hall job last year, so I'm you know we'll, you. we'll see we'll see what happens, but uh yeah, I expect it to be a similar mid-major route that they went with Kermit Davis last time.
1: Adam Spencer, Saturday down south, LSU Missouri, eight o'clock tip. We'll all be watching. Thank you, my friend.
4: Thank you. I'll all talk right. to you soon.
1: You got it. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and wrap up our number one.
0: This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The Monster Trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. The tra- tra- toughest Monster Truck Tour returns March 17th and 18th in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is a VIP package to the toughest monster truck tour. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037theGame.com vip package includes four tickets access to the pit area a merchandise certificate lunch with the truck drivers on that friday it's the toughest monster truck tour it's coming back and you could win a vip package courtesy of the game southwest louisiana sports station
0: don't agree with what jordy has to say not to worry he's always open to a healthy debate well dean i'm, I'm glad that you asked that actually
2: question. i'd like to jump in and take that one jimmy if you don't mind
0: have at it, Give us a call on the hotline at 337 706 0111. Now, back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we are uh, back as we wrap up our number one. And of course, um, all eyes in the NFL are at the NFL Combine and the fact that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is out of the dark, um, and that will set the pendulum for so much, uh, in the upcoming, uh, days as what happens with, um, the NFL and quarterbacks and, and the like. Um, so he vows a decision is coming soon. He, um, he appeared on a podcast, the Aubrey Marcus podcast, who is, a uh, holistic type of a podcast, uh, and he promised it won't take much longer. quote, it's best for anybody who has an interest to make a decision sooner rather than later. Um, One day earlier, Packers general manager Brian Gutkunst said at the NFL scouting combine that there's been little or no conversation with Rodgers since they wrapped up their end-of-season meetings in mid-January. But he goes on a podcast. He doesn't talk to the team that has guaranteed him nearly 60 million dollars if he just plays for them for one more year. Um I am I'm like I'm so tired of hearing about it year after year after year. Rogers said, quote, I want to I don't want to drag anybody around. Look, I'm answering questions about it because they asked about it. I'm talking about it because it's important to me. If you don't like it, if you think it's drama, you think I'm being a diva or whatever, just tune it out. That's fine. But this is my life. It's important to me, and I'll make a decision soon enough, and then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it. Um, so he has three options, retire, return to the Packers, or get a trade to another team. New York Jets have already opened up conversations and shown their interest uh, we shall see meanwhile Derek Carr meeting with the Carolina Panthers he's already met with the Jets he's meeting with the Saints again as well um sooner rather than later decisions will have to be made and and we'll see where it all goes plus there's a what what's happening with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens now I'm hearing thought talks of man Miami, wants him badly they're, they're going to make a decision they don't want two anymore because of so many concussions and this that and the other they got some draft option uh, some draft pick options maybe they make a trade for lamar jackson we shall see uh our number one's in the books our number two straight ahead here on the Jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros And away we go on this um, Wednesday, March 1st, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, back inside the game studios in the master control suite, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on One zero four one in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. The game hotline is available at 337-706-0111, 706-0111. And if you are in the Acadiana area, uh, you can catch us on television as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We're broadcasting from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Mike Huguenin will join us later on in this hour. Hump Day with Huguenin from on3.com. We're efforting to get Wilson Alexander from uh, The Advocate to join us. Talk about... uh, some new developments in the LSU football ranks. Um, John Jancic is the new special teams coordinator slash outside linebackers coach. Uh, I don't know anything about the guy. I don't know anything about his uh, recruiting acumen. Uh, I do know that he joined LSU staff last year as a defensive analyst and has been promoted to the role as special teams coordinator. He has over three decades of college football coaching experience. He was part of uh, Brian Kelly's staffs at Grand Valley State and Central Michigan, amongst other things. So let's talk about that and other things with the LSU football program with our good friend, Wilson Alexander of The Advocate. Good afternoon, my friend. How have you been?
5: I'm doing well, Jordy. How are you?
1: I am terrific. So uh, with spring football practice right around the corner, we knew it was inevitable that LSU would and Brian Kelly would find his guy for the new role as the um, special teams coordinator. What do you know about John Jancic?
5: Jancic has been in football for you know a long time, uh, played defensive line at Grand Valley State for Brian Kelly in the late 80s. Then, um, as you might have uh, just said, you know, was a graduate assistant on his very first staff, the first time that Ryan Kelly was ever head coach. Jancic was a GA, later came back to Grand Valley State to be his defensive coordinator, and so they've known each other for a really long time. Joined LSU staff last year as an analyst. Uh, He's been a, a defensive coordinator at multiple stops, including Georgia and Tennessee, Colorado State as well, so a lot of experience here, and so... You know, he uh, he's said in the, in the press release that he also has experience with special teams, though you see a lot of experience on his resume on the defensive side. And then, so that, you know, really explains, I think, why he's the outside linebacker's coach. Um, and then they're going to, in terms of special teams, it'll be interesting to hear more for Brian Kelly and, and whoever else about exactly how that gets coached because, you know, sources told me that analysts would be helping him out to what degree. We're going to have to kind of see how that plays out because, of course, analysts can be coaches on the, you know, coach on the field now. Um, they already did, but now it's you know fine and legal for them to do so under NCAA rule. And so LSU will be using some analysts to help coach special teams as well.
1: One of those might be Bob Diaco, who um, is joining the staff as an analyst and will assist with uh, special teams. And he, like uh, Jancic, worked for Brian Kelly. So all you got to do is fa- <laughs> is look at all the staffs that Brian Kelly's had or any coaches had, and you can usually pick pick and pluck someone from their past that they feel comfortable with and have a relationship with. And, and so so that's pretty good. Um, Wilson Alexander, the advocate with us, sticking along special teams. One guy that uh, was part of the portal who was uh, anticipated to be, play a heavy role in the return game, Alabama transfer Aaron Anderson. What's the latest with that guy?
5: Yeah, Anderson. He had an injury last year at Alabama. I believe it was a knee injury. Um, it really limited him last season, and he didn't play uh, for Alabama a year ago. Um, it sounds like that is maybe you know still uh, an issue. We have seen him working out with the team uh, during the winter. Um, you know, there's pictures that he put out of him running and lifting and those kinds of things. But it sounds like he's going to miss some time. Um, I don't expect him to be a full participant during the spring. Uh, we'll find out you know have to find out more exactly about when he can come back it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to affect his status for next season um but right now that's just kind of what we what we know about it
1: Wilson Alexander with us uh were you surprised about the seven banks news they kind of kept that quiet and then just all of a sudden it kind of got released and he's declared for the NFL draft so it's a whole new secondary again
5: yeah this isn't something that caught lSU off guard I want to you know be upfront and clear yeah. about that. It's more something that just people didn't know until now. Um, but this was a decision that a source told me, you know, happened back in January, around when everybody was hitting that deadline to for underclassmen to declare for the draft. Now, seven is not an underclassman. Uh, he was a right. fifth-year senior when he got to LSU. Had an extra year available to him this fall if he wanted it because of his medical, uh, you know, issues last year with his neck injury and everything. He would have had another year if he wanted it. Uh, and, but he just decided not to use it but his it was a sort of situation where he didn't have to formally declare for the draft and he never made any sort of public announcement and nobody um, this is kind of on us as reporters we didn't like know you know and back in the mm-hmm. time and so um, but when i was you know doing some research and stuff here recently and um, about the draft uh, i was able to find out that he had you know had entered it and so um, this isn't yeah you know it isn't catching LCU off guard um, But it is still definitely, like you said, a remade secondary completely. Now the only returning cornerback is LaTerrence Welch, a uh, rising sophomore. you got the four transfers coming in, the three freshman signees coming in. And LSU, it's going to be the most fascinating battle of spring camp and probably into yeah. the preseason as well as who plays the corner. Um But, yeah, seven will be off to the NFL. Um, you know, for him, uh, a couple of injury-riddled years after being possibly uh, – you Know kind of a rising into that first round draft pick conversation after being a starter at Ohio State, trying to just kind of go ahead and get into the league. He's 24 and prove that he can do it. So,
1: yeah, um, very fascinating. I, I think, uh, Wilson Alexander, the advocate, I think secondary is going to be highly watched. Of course, the quarterback situation is going to be highly watched as well. How does Brian Kelly, uh, and, and his offensive staff handle that? Uh, with Garrett Nussmeyer, how you know, is it a competition? Uh, is it not? I Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. I'm I kind of like Jaden Daniels. Um, He wouldn't be coming back. I said it before, you know, he wouldn't be coming to LSU if he didn't think he was going to play and he wouldn't have stuck around if he didn't think he was going to play again. So I I, I don't understand what all the issue is. I think, you know, we'll we'll see if Nussmeier gets to play meaningful snaps next season. That's I guess that's the question mark. Or is LSU just telling, it, look, your time is coming. Just keep developing. Keep learning. Keep understanding. Your time is coming. I don't know.
5: Yeah, I don't. There's a lot of question marks still in terms of how else he's going to handle that because we heard Brian Kelly last time he spoke after the Citrus Bowl say Jane Daniels is our number one quarterback and there's no controversy here. But at the same time, that Elsie needed to keep an open mind because they have two really good quarterbacks um, and that uh, Garrett was going to get a chance to compete. So it's going you know we're going to have to just kind of see in the spring how that unfolds. Something I'm interested you know and want to ask Brian Kelly about next time we get to talk to him is that very thing is. What exactly does that look like for Garrett Nussmeyer? What kind of reps is he getting um, to figure that out? Because and it'll be certainly something that's uh, fascinating to follow. Because yeah, Jaden Daniels is the person I think everybody expects to take the first snap against Florida State. He had a really good year last year. As much as he's supposed yes. to develop as a downfield passer, he was it was quite productive. And so I think it's probably a situation where you know Garrett Nussmeyer. Okay, like maybe LSU gives him the chance to compete and see if he can make this more of a – turn this into any kind of quarterback controversy and sort of force LLT's hand in a way to say, like, look, we've got to get this guy on the field somehow. Because otherwise you roll out Jaden Daniels out there and and you're probably doing okay on offense. Um, But if Garrett is just somebody who can't be left off the field, then then it becomes more of a conversation.
1: And call me crazy, but I don't know if you're going to see – if I'm the coach, and of course I'm not, but if – if I'm Jaden Daniels and I want to go play at the next level, I'm telling Jaden Daniels, I don't care what, you're not going to run at all in spring practice. You're going to stay in the pocket, and you're going to be a pocket passer. We know you can run, but for you to get to that next level, you've got to improve your downfield passing, reading defenses. So we're not going to let you run. So it, he may be in a disability there because his biggest asset as a quarterback is his ability to make something out of nothing. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, I do. I hear you. That is uh, the thing that sets him apart as a football player, his ability to be creative with his legs. Um, And yeah, certainly from just a pure health standpoint, LSU, and you know, it's not going to be live on the quarterbacks anyway, during practice, but certainly wouldn't want him to, to, um, you know, put himself in any sort of harm's way by taking off. But at the same time, if you limit him too much in that way, then maybe you're taking away some of the things that makes him great. He does need to develop as a downfield passer. And so that's something else to ask Brian Kelly about is how this sort of coaching wise are y'all going about doing that because, and you know, him developing, you know, he's got quarterback coaches who he's been working with during the offseason at 3DQB. Um, you know, they, he's been working with them for a couple of years now and they've done some technical things to try to improve him as a downfield passer. Uh, and the other part that's going to come with it is just reps. Um, you know, you want him to get more aggressive because we heard Brian Kelly you know, talk about it a lot last year. Um, but at the same time, you know, you don't want him to completely erase and just stop running altogether. Um, right. It's just, it's just finding that balance with him.
1: Yeah. Just, I, I, I'm i not saying don't take that away from when it counts, when the lights come on, but in the spring develop down the field, don't even try to run the football. We'll see, you know, we see what happens, what's happening with LSU, uh Alabama and basketball. We see what happened to Jaden Carter with Georgia, these off the field incidents. Um, I, I'm not trying to jinx anything, uh, Wilson, but Seems like Brian Kelly and his staff had this thing kind of, um, kind of under under control. You know what I mean? It just kind of they, they let's not step outside the lines. Let's let's keep everything. You know, let's do it the right way.
5: Yeah, maybe knock on wood. <laughs> Anytime yeah. you, you say it, right? Just because yeah. um, there's so many different factors that played into both of those situations at Alabama and at Georgia, and of course the first thing is just that people died in both of those. Uh, situations and, and and that's just terrible for those families yeah. and and the people who knew them uh, well and and so it, those are really complicated uh, I think in both ways both for Alabama's uh, and and the woman who died there with the shooting yeah. and then the car accident at Georgia um, and it, it, and things can just flip in a minute because I mean we saw LSU you know uh, Wade Sims you know die uh, on the basketball team yeah. a few years ago and so you know it, it's it's it, it's hard to say that just you know one coach can like prevent any of that kind of thing from happening because um, sometimes it just does even if your program is just as clean as a whistle. So um, just keep knocking on wood, I think, to make to, if you're an else fan, just because you know you, you just want everybody to to stay in uh, good you know legal standing and and in good health sure. and and um, hopefully nobody finds themselves in any of that. Scenario and anywhere really, not just LSU. You're right.
1: Um, March 9th is the start of spring practice. Take me back a year ago. What uh, what kind of access did Brian Kelly allow for the media in his first spring uh, soiree?
5: There was quite a bit, quite a bit of access, which was great for us, and I, th- I hope also the the readers were able to really feel Absolutely. that as well um, based on the coverage because we were able to get a good look at sort of the formation, the beginning, early days of a program um, as LSU made that change to under Brian Kelly. So there was a few completely open practices, which I had never experienced on the college level before. Um, start to finish, we were allowed in there, which was, was really great. Um, you know, to, a couple times talking to the coordinators. Um, and, and that was made things a little bit different in, in a way that you know we weren't really you know, used to it, which is you just don't typically see at the college level. Um, we don't yet know how many practices are going to be open or closed or anything like that here in year two. Um, so don't know yet how it's going to compare. but in year one, he was quite open. I think wanted people to see kind of what was going on all right as they got started.
1: Well, enjoy it uh, in the few days that you have left, and uh, we always look forward to your coverage. Thanks for jumping on board with us today, and uh, I greatly appreciate your time, Wilson.
5: Thanks for having me, Jordy. Y'all have a good one.
1: You're the best. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate. We'll take a time out. Hump Day with Huguenin next
0: this is the Jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
1: we're here at the game we want we're going to ask you to help us out go and subscribe to our youtube channel at the game louisiana turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps, we'd like to get to 1,000 followers. So go ahead, subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. Uh oh. Do
0: you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Good afternoon, Mr. Huguenin. How are you, my friend?
0: Doing uh, doing quite well.
1: We got uh, some of the smaller... um, conference tournaments going on right now we're in the month of March and we've got I've known you for I don't know 10 12 years now um and you've always said it and it's so true if you're if you're a football player or a football school and you're in the news now it's never good I've got to ask you because we're kind of impacted here by the SEC Um, two tragic events, one involving uh, Alabama basketball, one involving Georgia football, deaths, tragic deaths involved with both. Your take on Alabama and Nate Oates and and the way they've handled their situation.
6: Yeah, we actually have a story uh, at On 3 later this week about uh, colleges and how they handle crisis management. And uh, mm. I think that if you looked at Alabama, um, especially the last two weeks, they they have not handled it well. No. Um, Nate Oates, um, he, you know, when news came out that Brandon Miller was at least peripherally involved, you would imagine, or you would hope, frankly, that an athletic department group would come together and say, okay, here's, here's, uh, here's what we're going to say when we're asked questions about right. this tragedy. And, you know, do not stray from this. But instead, right. um, obviously they didn't do that because Oates fumbled through a news conference, and then mm-hmm. about two hours later, Alabama had to put out a release saying, well, this is what he really meant to say, all that kind of stuff. And then you had last Saturday where a supposed pregame ritual um uh, mm. garnered even more attention and you're thinking if this was a pregame ritual all season long then why didn't immediately after the shooting happened someone go to these players and say don't be doing that anymore it's a, it's a horrendous look and it's it's sort of mind blowing um it, that that Alabama has handled this situation in the manner in which it in, in which it has and i think that you know every nca tournament there are teams that everybody wants to win and teams that everybody wants to lose i think Alabama uh, other than alabama fans um
3: wow.
6: is is going to fall into the latter category because i don't think they've handled this well and the georgia situation this You know this could impact Jalen Carter's draft status. No doubt, and that's you know the the amount of money involved. I will admit I'm not as well as I'm not as up on what's going on in Athens as I am what's going on in Tuscaloosa. But yeah, you know the the combine's going on. People talking about who's going first, who's going second, who's going in the top ten, who's going in the first round, how much money these guys are going to be making, and that's not the conversation around. Jalen
1: Carter right now. I'm with you, Mike Hugan, and on3.com. Tennessee um, got their results as the NCAA imposed some uh, show-cause penalties on four ex-Tennessee staffers um, under the guidance of Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach. Uh, That's not going to affect Tennessee in its present form, right?
6: It shouldn't. Uh, I think the show-cause penalty – that to me is an effective deterrent because if you're a coach and can't you can, you can you're not allowed to coach. That's your that's your livelihood. You're messing with it. Right. So um, that's uh, to me has always been, as well as fining schools multiple millions of dollars when they break NCA rules. You know, the, the vacating of wins, that, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. If you hit a school in its pocketbook and if you hit coaches in their wallets, that's that's what gets people's attention. And the show-cause aspect means these folks can't coach for a while at an NCA school unless they, they prove to the NCAA that the – Actual show-calls penalty might not should have been um, granted in the first place. And there's an mm-hmm. appeal process and all that kind of stuff. But again, you're hitting somebody in their wallet, and that's that tends to get people's attention.
1: Rather quietly, the tenure of Mark Emmert as the president of the NCAA has come to an end. And the incoming president, Charlie Baker... Um began his presidency today, March the first. Um, boy, there's a lot of issues. He takes over the head uh, facing internal external turmoil. what what, man, what's his biggest challenge in your opinion?
6: I think it's to get everybody in the NCA on the same page uh, for one. Uh, I think there's a problem with the NCA. Well, there's a lot of problems with the NCA, <laughs> but I something that you and I have talked about over the years. All schools are not created equal, and the NCA for too long has sort of tried to pretend that, that they are, and I think you, you and I have discussed this. The, the athletic director at Caltech, it's a Division three school, and she said in, in early 2021, um, you know, it's time for us to realize we're not all on the same boat. And <laughs> that seems, yeah, no, no joke, but it's... It, it is logical but that's one thing the ncaa has never been long on logic and caltech is not the same as california California is not the same as USC. Uh, right. Purdue and I'm sorry, yeah, Purdue and Penn State are in the same league, but they're not really the same. Uh, yeah. Alabama and Mississippi State are in the same league. They're not really the same. New Mexico and New Mexico State are three hours apart. Heck, they're not even the same. So yeah, that's, right. uh, that's what I mean by getting all, them all on the same page. And it's obvious that the NCAA collective group of all the schools wants guidance from Congress. They want federal legislation. We had a story about that yesterday. You know, the idea that you need Congress to save you, sets a lot about where the NCAA is right now. But, you know, Charlie Baker is a former Massachusetts governor. He was a Republican governor in a state controlled, basically, by Democrats. And yet he got things done. And I think that's one reason that he is the new NCA president. And also interesting is that all past NCA presidents have lived in Indianapolis. Charlie Baker is not moving from Boston, and the idea that you can get on a train from Boston and go to Washington, D.C., and be there relatively quickly is one of the reasons. Um, There's there's no doubt but that the NCA needs governmental help in sort of navigating the waters of, college athletics today and in the future. And I think by hiring a – they've hired an out-and-out politician, a politician that's gotten things done despite, again, you you have to have – in this political era, if you are a Republican governor in a Democrat-controlled state and got things done, it's it's obvious that you're well-liked and you know how to navigate – bipartisanship, and right. that's what's needed with the NCA now on a bunch of different levels. Not you know forget the federal legislation that's needed, the bipartisan federal legislation. You can think of the NCA as a fractured political group as well. Mm-hmm. Bipartisanship mm-hmm. is needed there. and I think that the hope is that Charlie Baker can do a vastly better job than Mark Emmert. Mm-hmm. I think Emmert might have had his heart in the right place. He was woefully unprepared for the task.
1: Mike Hugan and On3.com, you, you talked about the story that you have, um, an ACC memo that went out uh, about what the Power Five conferences want from Congress. W- what can Congress do to help Power Five conferences, and what do they want from Congress? You know,
6: well, the, 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 they, they wanted, um, one. Of, they had five supposed must-haves. And three of the must-haves were negatives. In other words, do not let athletes become employees. Do not let athletes um, be induced by NIL or other inducements of that nature. Um, Those were two of the the main ones. Another one obviously dealt with the antitrust exemption. Um, I don't think that any of those, frankly, are logical. Um, again, you can, it, it's sort of like, if you know, it, everybody can remember when they were five years old at Christmas. You ask Santa, I want a million dollars. I want a jet, I want a rocket to go to the moon, and I want to eat lunch with the president. Well, you're five years old, you can ask Santa for that, but Santa's going to go, okay, no problem. And then, you know, he'll look at your parents waiting in line behind you and like, Laugh and yeah, right. Whatever. That's sort of what to me the the Power Five is. It's a five year old kid at Christmas thinking it's going to get all these things, and it ain't getting any of it. Um, And might get coal in its stocking. So Mm -hmm. it's it again that the the, the governmental aspect is why Charlie Baker's in in position uh, as the new head of the NCA. But I think if you know if, if you're a hardcore college sports fan or a casual college sports fan. You have to look at the goings-on in college sports today and have a feeling of unease in a way. Um, no, it's never going to be like the 1970s or 80s again, and I think everybody, frankly, is fine with that. But the amount of change that's occurred in the last two or three years, frankly, without NCA oversight, um, is a problem. And you and I have talked many times in the past, the NCA is a toothless organization that never looks right. ahead. It's a right. very reactive instead of being a very proactive group. I think the hope is that Baker can make them proactive. But if the NCA had been proactive in the last 20 years, we'd be in like year two or three of, it, of the NIL era instead right. of being in year two. They yeah. This should have been started the last century frankly, the late 90s, early 2000s. But the NCA was dragging its foot, dragging its feet, kicking the can down the road, and right. the chickens have come home to roost. And where they're roosting, the NCA does not like.
1: Mike Hugan and On3.com, we'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Might Alabama be the most overhyped team in the SEC? Say what? We'll get Mike's thoughts on who's hot, who's not, quarterback battles, as we roll on with another edition of Hump Day with Huguenin after this.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Brought to you each and every day by the great folks at ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, over 60 of them in Southern and Central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction locations in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery. Dude, you can't win until you start playing. DC's Little Capital Exxon. So much inside, including their true soul food deli home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted, and by Cajun Chef. Ah, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce.
0: Download the free game mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
1: 36 minutes after the hour, part two, Hump Day with Huguenin. Uh, Mike, um, I'm going to read you one um, SEC writer's thoughts about Alabama. Um, and it said, quote, never mind its championship history. The Tide don't know who their starting quarterback will be, don't have a proven elite wide receiver, don't have a dominant running back, yet it's a popular pick to win the SEC West and make the college football playoff. It's not overrated. It's very overrated. Your response?
6: I think that is incorrect. I mean, this 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 is still an extremely talented team. Um, Yeah, do do they have a quarterback as good as Bryce Young? No, at least not now. They don't. Um, The running backs—I don't think there's an elite running back on that roster. I don't know if there needs to be an elite running back on the roster, though. Um, and, and, yes, there's some concerns at receiver. Heck, but, but everybody has those. Yeah, um, that's right. This is still a roster that, top to bottom, uh, is second, first or second best. Fucking total, all 85 scholarship guys, first or second best in the league and top three or four in the nation. Plus, they got a great coach. Um, yep. Yes, there's some question about the coordinator changes that that adds a little bit of intrigue for sure, but I I don't think that's a very overrated team no.
1: Okay, why do I think uh, Billy Napier has yet to see the worst of times at Florida?
6: Yeah, I think there's there's some there's a I think there's reason to think that um, I don't I don't think much of Graham Mertz. the the quarterback who they're evidently going to go with. Um, The receiving core needs at least one freshman to come through in a big way. They need to make sure they don't have any injuries along the offensive line. Um, I think defensively they're going to be more talented, unquestionably, than they were last year. But they also got a ton of young players that need to step up. Um, They open at Utah. Um, one saving grace for Florida in that game is that Cam Rising will be coming off uh, surgery on his ACL and might not be 100% if he plays at all. So um, well, if he, even if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. So um, Utah is another team looking for a established running back. Their receiving core um, is not very good. They do have good tight ends. So Florida could get off to a difficult start. Um I still think that they're better than Mandy, even though they lost to Mandy last year. I think they're better than South Carolina. But, uh, yeah, I think you can make a case either way that Fort mm. is the fifth-best team in the East or the third-best team in the East.
1: Wow. Um, everybody's going to have Georgia at the top. Tennessee's probably good n- number two. Um, Kentucky has has their best gone. They've, they're relying on another transfer quarterback and from North Carolina State and Devin Leary. Um I would think South Carolina, with the progress they made last year, I don't know how many people they lose, but it seems like Beamers got them heading in the right direction. How do you rank the, the SEC East?
6: Uh, South Carolina's main running back for Division two transfer. Um, okay. Their offensive line last year was not very good. Um, defensively, Zach Pickens is gone. Um, their two best starters in the secondary are gone. Uh, and yeah, South Carolina ended the season beating Clemson and Tennessee. Florida blew their doors in, um, mm-hmm. and you're like, wait a second, that's but that's true. Florida blew their doors in. Um, it, yeah, I think the SEC East. Yeah, Georgia's going to win. Tennessee's going to finish second. No idea who finishes third, fourth, fifth, sixth. And I think Vanderbilt is going to be the weakest team. Um, but I think there is a a heck of a lot of intrigue in in that division. Um, Missouri's got some intrigue. Eli Drinkwitz is still there. He's given up his play calling. Uh, Mm -hmm. Brought in a a play caller, offensive coordinator, so that'll be interesting to see, but I think there's a lot of questions about every team in the SEC East, frankly, except Georgia, and even Georgia has a question or two, because who's going to be their quarterback?
1: Right, right. Mike Hugen and on3.com. Texas A&M in the West, they've got They return a lot of production, but a production for a team that went five and seven. They got their quarterback now in Connor Weigman, and they've got their offensive coordinator in Bobby Petrino. Uh, Do you have the scales pointing upward for A&M, or do you think they're going to find a way to shoot themselves in the foot again? I I
6: think upward from last season, um, but I still, you know, that was a team last year that was preseason top ten for almost everybody, and they didn't even go to a bowl game. Um, and, and, it, and it's good, serious. I, mean, I would argue that the SEC West last year was not as good as it usually is. So yeah. that sort of says how bad uh, Texas A&M was. I think they will be better. They do have a lot of young talent, but it is a little bit unproven. Um, who's their lead back going to be? Because A-Chain's gone. Uh, the receiving core actually has some potential, but they really need Connor Wegman to be extremely productive and if you look at texas a&m since jimbo fisher's been there they have not had a quarterback be extremely productive so that's going to have to change um, again i think there there's a lot of talent up front on defense even though it is young some of those guys need to step up but i think that a&m should be expected to be better than they were last year the question is can they win ten no i don't think they can but eight or nine certainly is the realm of possibility. If it's seven, uh, I think things are dicey for Fisher long-term. I I know their buyout's enormous, but if they go seven and five, uh, I think they get rid of him.
1: I'm with you. Uh, Mike Hugan on On3.com. It seems like um, for the first time in years that there's been no chatter coming out of the plains of Auburn. Hugh Freeze takes over. Brian Harson turned out to be an awful hire for them. Looks like Q 3 seems to be the perfect guy for Auburn. Could he make that big of a difference that quickly on the plane?
6: I don't think one season difference, no. I know they he did some good work in the portal. Uh, still not convinced they have an SEC caliber quarterback on their roster. Um, I think, you know, the, there was one reason. Harson did not do a very good job. He was a bad fit. But – There's also not a lot of talent on that roster. So, you know, the idea that, well, Freeze did well in the portal, well, he he had to. And I still am not 100% convinced that he brought in – yes, he brought in guys that will start. Did he bring in any true difference makers? I'm not sure he did. So you got to have difference makers in Power Five leagues, especially the SEC. I don't know if Auburn has any offensively that can that can win a game for you. Um, I still think that Freeze is is is, the baseline for Auburn has increased greatly now because he's a better coach than Harson. Nothing against Harson, but Freeze has been doing this for a while. He's won in this league. Um, The stuff you got in trouble for at Ole Miss in terms of NCA rules now are sort of
3: He's legal. That. Yeah, I
6: mean, everybody yeah. is doing them now. Um, I think that Auburn's going to get better. I just don't think that this year, this Auburn team as it currently is constructed uh, is a team that can, that can challenge even for second, or I don't even think third, in the SEC mm-hmm. West. I think they're a bottom half of the division team. I think that Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, and Ole Miss are all better on paper. Um, Arkansas, not too sure about. Mississippi State, I'm not too sure about because of what happened there with Mike Leach. Um, but I, again, I, I, I think Auburn's ceiling this year is finishing fifth in the division.
1: From from the outside looking in, uh, when you look at LSU, what do you see year two for Brian Kelly?
6: Uh, I think that the program has become vastly more stable than it was when he got there. I think, you know, if, if you you know, think if you have a pool in your backyard uh, and you got some uh rings in the pool, um I think when you had Orger on there, he would try to jump into the ring and he missed, he'd go to the bottom. I think last year everything stabilized. I think everybody's in their ring now, floating around nicely. He's got the cordon you know, this will be the second year in a row the coordinate the coordinators didn't change. So right. the players on both sides of the ball, they adjusted to a new offense and a new defense last year. They adjusted quite well when in the SEC West. So I think things are much calmer in that regard. Um, now, the, Last year I think there were very few expectations outside of the, the delusional LSU fans whose expectations came true, sure. which is sure. the mind-blowing part of it. But I think this year LSU will be expected to do well. I think they will do well. I don't think they're going to win the division again, but I think they can be a top-12 team for sure. I think I'm a Jalen Daniels fan. People forget he was a big-time recruit who played exceptionally well as a freshman at Arizona State. The problem at Arizona State was not Jalen Daniels; it was the program was rotting from the inside out. So, of yeah. course, he didn't get better last year. He made strides. I think defensively, they got you know Harold Perkins as a star on the rise. They get Mason Smith back. The secondary has been rebuilt through the portal again. That's yeah. a little dicey, but right. um, I think this is. I think that, uh, that 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 Brian Kelly in year two. Um, has LSU where it should always be, uh, one of the two best teams in the West, and if things go exactly right again, I mean, heck, last year things didn't go exactly right, and they still won the division. I think we're going to find out a lot about LSU and FSU in the opening game this fall, but I think LSU's in a a really good spot, and I think everybody who sort of chuckled at Brian Kelly, he's not a good fit there, uh, aren't chuckling anymore.
1: And and we're just remember how the season started and how they lost that game right. to Florida State. They've got a new special teams coordinator now. But you talk about some anxiety in Tigertown after that one? Wow. Uh, exactly. But he, well, he righted the ship, it, man. you got to give him credit. like
6: a bad team in its first game under a new coach. And yet yep. they were one point away from winning. Yeah, the idea that that team that lost to FSU in the manner in which they lost would win the sec west that's, that's that's incredible and yet it happened um again i think that kelly is a really high level coach um you know some people might not like his personality that's fine but he knows what he's doing i, I think the players bought in quickly even though they lost the first game and they they, they have that's a talented team i mean again perkins and mason smith If Mason Smith is back to 100%, there will be no team in the SEC with a better lineman-linebacker duo than those two guys. I mean, those guys are both All-America caliber talents. I think Perkins, obviously, he made a lot of splash plays last year. There were other games where he looked lost, but he was a true freshman. So right. I, his upside is extremely high. So is Mason Smith's. Again, the concern I would have defensively is how quickly does the secondary gel because right. that first game, um, Jordan Travis is going to test the LSU secondary with his legs yeah. and with his arms. So that's going to oh. be a very interesting first game.
1: All of a sudden, that's become the big game yeah, of week one. Yeah, it's the big non-conference one.
6: game in the entire season. No
1: <laughs> yes, question. yes. Mike Hugen at On3.com, you are the best. Enjoy the rest of your week. We always look forward to Wednesdays, man. Thank you. All
6: right. Thanks, man. Talk to you next week.
1: All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back and uh, get a very special birthday wish after this timeout.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros
1: join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity golf scramble benefiting red bird ministry sponsored by courtesy bro bridge hit the links at farm de alley while supporting a great cause all proceeds from the tournament will go towards red bird ministry's mission of serving families who've been given the extraordinary cross to carry and that is the loss of a child in addition to 18 holes of golf the day will include great prizes food drink and and a fun day with the staff at The Game and Courtesy bro break. So gather your friends and colleagues, get on the course, make a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we really can make a difference.
0: He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: At 54 minutes after the hour, I just received an email from my coach, Dale Brown, and it just saddened me to no end. Um, Leonard Mitchell, one of the stalwarts, as a freshman, came in from St. Martinville, uh, came to LSU to play basketball, was part of that 1981 Final Four team. Uh, Coach Brown sent me a note, and I'm going to read it. Leonard Mitchell had part of his leg amputated yesterday. Please pray for him and call him. I have his number. Um, oh my gosh, Chuka! Uh, what an athlete! What a thoroughbred! Um, just tremendous. I, I just hate, so hate to hear that. You know, every day I say, um, you know, be, stay thirsty. Let's stay healthy. Health is health is everything. Um, and, and it's just saddens me to hear that news about Leonard. So I'm going to give him a call and please keep him in your prayers. If you knew Leonard, you're from St. Martinville, certainly within this listening audience. Uh, you, you remember if you were back, back in that era, uh, what a tremendous, tremendous physical specimen, uh, not only in the basketball, he could run track. He, he, he could have run the 400 meters. And, and probably won the SEC in that if he had put his mind to it. He was that gifted and that uh, that elegant of an athlete and just a good, good dude. So you're in my thoughts, in my prayers, Leonard, and uh, a phone call is coming your way. Uh, special thanks to our guest today, Cokie Riley, technology with LSU Pictures. It's working. Adam Spencer previewing LSU and Missouri and along with all the other. SEC hoops teams, Wilson Alexander, new off uh, new special teams coordinator at LSU, and then Mike Huganin uh, of On3.com with all his thoughts about uh, college football. It's the start of a new administration in the NCAA. Mark Emmert's time has come and gone. I don't think anyone's saddened about that, although I'm thankful for Mark Emmert and what he did at LSU and how he hired Nick Saban, plain and simple. Um, if today is your birthday... March 1st, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with um He was part of that 2019 super team and is still with his quarterback in Cincinnati. Uh, happy 22nd birthday to Jamar Chase. What an athlete. What a stud he is. Tomorrow, we'll recap some hoops games. LSU versus Missouri. The Pels versus the Trailblazers. Until tomorrow. I'm Jordy Helper. James Mess, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that Make It Possible. Again, stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can. Take care of yourself and stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.